Well, hello and welcome to episode 12 of the 1099 for the week of September 21st. Uh, it has finally stopped raining over here in Jacksonville, Florida. We had the good stretch of great weather and now it's just been at one giant, gross, humid puddle. With me today, I am joined by former GameSpot editor and a current podcaster on Wild Guesses and The Crockpot. Uh, she also does freelance work for various websites. It is Carolyn Pettit. Carolyn, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Josiah. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. I uh, Actually, I just filled in. We were just talking about this uh, off air. I just filled in for you on Wild Guesses. Yeah. And I was bummed because I've always really wanted to talk to you. So I was happy to be on the show, but I was bummed that I didn't actually get to talk to you. So I thought this was the perfect chance to completely remedy that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. No, it's, I'm yeah, really happy to have you on. You're someone who I actually started, I found out about you on The Hotspot. So okay. The Hotspot was actually the first gaming podcast I had ever listened to. So I was that teenager who was uh, calling in and doing all the homework that uh, Brendan Sinclair would <laughs> oh have out. Oh my God, yeah, yes. I was I was that person who yeah. um, just get extremely excited anytime I would ever hear like, Brendan or Kevin try to pronounce my name. Uh, that was back when I was like junior high, high school. So yeah, I've known about your work for a long time. I started actually reading GameSpot a lot more after that. You know, Kevin, Tom McShay, you, Brendan Sinclair. Uh, so a lot of people know you from GameSpot. But sure. Uh, just to kind of get like a more of an overview, what was your first game writing position? And to kind of bounce off of that, what made you want to write about games? <laughs> okay, well. Uh, yeah, this is interesting because you were talking about the era of GameSpot that I was a part of. Um, my interest in games writing, you know, the catalyst for it, I think, was an earlier era of GameSpot. So I, um, you know, when I was out of college and um, trying to figure out, you know, what might I actually want to do with my life. And um, I was teaching high school English in Los Angeles, and it was a very extremely challenging, extremely rewarding work. But I but I also had the sense that I wanted to, you know, teaching was certainly the kind of work that you can easily kind of stay with it for 25 or 30 years and make that your career. And I have, the, I have so much respect for lifelong educators who are dedicated to that. I mean, I, um, but I, I, for me myself, like I, I knew that I wanted to try other things. And I started reading uh, GameSpot around this time. And this was the era of, you know, Greg Kasavin, who's been a guest on this show. Um, uh, you know, Jeff Gersman, Brad Shoemaker, you know, R Ryan Davis. Um, you know, all of these voices um, were there on GameSpot at the time. And for me, the effect of reading GameSpot was a really um, eye-opening one because it was uh, writing about games in a way that I had never really encountered or thought about before. Yeah. It was, it was challenging, um, you know, my notions of what like writing about games could be in, in the best, you know, possible way, because I was someone who, um, I loved games, uh, and I, you know, and I love, I love cinema, you know, and I, and I read film reviews, you know, voraciously and always found them to be work that, challenged you know the best film reviews yeah. uh, were were reviews that always gave me something to think about in terms of my own relationship to that specific film and to films in general you know and i often would get more out of reviews that i strongly disagreed with than the reviews that i agreed with because they were the ones that kind of pushed back against my own um you know preconceived notions my own 
tastes, you know, and kind of just forced me to think about things in a different way. Yeah. And GameSpot was the first place in where I sort of felt like I, I encountered that occasionally in terms of in terms of games writing. And Ga- GameSpot at the time had um, like a weekly uh, feature called GameSpotting, which was mm-hmm. an opportunity for the editors to do writing that was, and you know, this is people listeners who may not be old enough to remember this era have to understand that it was a the landscape of games criticism back then was very 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 different i mean you had your you had like gamespot and ign and uh like one or two other like big established sites we live now in an era thank you know thankfully where there's a lot more diversity a lot more uh fresh challenging interesting games writing taking place yeah um so GameSpot at the time, to me anyway, was like an oasis. You know, it was like the only place where, oh, hey, they're actually doing stuff that's challenging. So, so GameSpotting was like, yeah, that weekly opportunity for for the writers to do work that broke out of the like standard preview, standard review format and approach games in like different ways. Or you know, I remember Greg Kasavin once wrote like a review of uh, real life, like uh, you know, like as if it were a game review, uh, for instance. You know, to do that kind of playful or challenging stuff or just focus on like one aspect of a game or games in general um that was when i that was when i knew that okay writing about games can be meaningful just like games themselves can be meaningful and this is this is something that i this is it like this is kind of the thing that i might want to actually really try and do with my with you know myself with my life um so and again like uh, very like the way that I got into games writing then is not like that era. This era has passed. Like this is not something that's available to people today. I don't think, I think things have already changed, you know, so much, but what it was at the time was the GameSpot had a very, uh, very passionate insular community, like a forum, you know, forums and blogs and things where the staff, you know, staff, spent a fair amount of time interacting yeah. with us and um and I spent a great deal of time in those uh on those boards Kevin Van Ord did as well we are actually you know friends from that was where we met like many years before Oh really I had no idea GameSpot. yeah Kevin and I knew each other from the GameSpot forums and um and I just did work like posts and you know reader reviews and blog entries there that I felt you know and, and that they got noticed by the staff because i think they were you know thoughtful and interesting and w- well written and mm-hmm. so on and so forth and um um you know i just would very very occasionally send them like a friendly message and just say hey you know if you ever need uh you know i'd, I'd love to do some writing for gamespot if you ever need another you know freelancer or what have you you know just i just want to you know, uh, keep me in mind, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to do that. So, so Kevin and I, uh, actually wound up doing some writing, um, for a now defunct, uh, site, you know, it was, it was, a sort of, you know, one of like a volunteer yeah. site, you know, staffed by, yeah, staffed by just volunteers. It's a way I think of just getting our feet wet, building, you know, sort of portfolios or just, yeah, just, just doing the work as far as actually like, it, it was it was um yeah GameSpot itself 
you know, it was eventually um, through like, again, many years of just sort of being that friendly <laughs> little pest, you know, or, you know, like, I think there's a fine line between being like, like, you know, sort of uh, persistent, but and being like, rude or obnoxious, you know, and I, and I tried to like, be sure that like, I never uh irrit you know was like irritating in my in my persistence but you know just stuck kept at it and eventually you know i did get a get a, a an offer or a chance an opportunity to start doing some freelance work for GameSpot um and from Justin Calvert um and uh yeah and then you know that led a few years later to the editorial position and you know, and uh, which led to other things and led to where I am now. Yeah. No, and it, it, we have very similar stories in that way of, you know, I was doing volunteer work for a while because when you're first starting out, you don't, the first steps to getting to a full-time paid job are not exactly clear, uh, especially early on. Like, I, I'm guessing, you know, when you started out, there was even fewer people talking about how to get into this. You know, now there are some books and there are a lot of people who can give advice. But back then, uh, like I, I started about six years ago, I was writing, um, I was like 17 years old and I remember starting to write that way and, uh, doing volunteer work and then doing very similar things that you did. I would try not to pester Kevin, but email him enough sure. to be like, Hey, if you ever need any sort of like reviews work, you know, I'd, yeah. please let me know. And that's kind of, that's how it went. And it, you, you kind of go through that way. And GameSpot, uh, like you had said, it always seemed, uh, like this, it was doing reviews differently. Um, a lot of sites and I'm not calling anyone out, but there were a lot of sites back when I was younger where game reviews almost felt like product reviews where you weren't oh, really, absolutely. yeah, you weren't digging into, the thematic elements, the really like, why is this good? More of just like, this part's good. The graphics look great. Yeah. And it felt yeah. like a list in that. Not always, of course. There, there are um, always people who are doing different things. But GameSpot has always been great in terms of uh, having really interesting critique, uh, as I've always thought. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. But I, I think that, I think, I mean, even if it's so, GameSpot itself, like it was really interesting to be at GameSpot when I, when I was there. Because, you know, even during the time that I was there, our notion of what a, re a game review could be and should be was still evolving. And yes. I also think, and I also think that it has to do like the change in the ways that we talk about that we write about games uh, has to do with, to an extent with the way that games themselves have changed in the past, say 15 years. And you know, what I mean by that is I think that um, say, you know, if you look even, you know, 12, 13 years ago, you know, you look at like a lot of first person shooters, for instance, that were coming out and a lot of shooters, for instance, the shooting, just the basic shooting mechanic would feel, you know, it really different from one game to another, to another, to another. And, you know, well, in this game, the shooting feels really janky and unsatisfying and it feels weird in such and such ways. And, mm. oh, in this game, you know, the shooting feels really good and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, whatever, it's more precise, et cetera, et cetera. And I think what's happened is that we're now at a point where, say with, I mean, if you're talking about a first-person shooter, I think you still need to address those aspects of the game in your review to maybe to some extent. But we also, it's a point now where a lot of that stuff has become more standardized, yes. more like most people going into a specific, like 
uh, you know, oh, the, the latest Call of Duty game. It's like everyone knows exactly how the shooting is going to feel. Absolutely. Game, right. So it's it, it, and there just aren't really rare for like a shooter to come out where the shooting, say, for instance, feels just completely busted. Right. Like, but that was a thing like that was not uncommon, say, you know, in in days past. And so you had to like really give readers a sense of, okay, what, you know, what, what is this aspect of the game like? And that's much less of an issue in, in a lot, I think in a lot of genres today, because nowadays it's like what sets one game apart from another often is it's not, oh, how, you know, how does the shooting feel? But it's, it's all the stuff around that. It's the art design, it's the tone, it's the narrative, it's the themes, it's, you know, those kinds of things. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, it seems like, uh, while we, I feel like games criticism has evolved. It's also a lot to do, like what what you said, with games now. Games, you can. Right. There's more room to talk about stuff that we didn't have as much room to talk about before. Because in my mind, although like you know, some reviews are longer than others. You have, you have limited space. You're, you don't want yes. to write a three thousand, four thousand word review. You're going to lose people. There's only so much you can say yeah. about a game. Maybe some game calls for it. I don't know. But um, yeah, now yeah. that we don't, we're not making these long like multiple paragraphs saying like and here's how the shooting feels now we have more room to say different things uh yes and also in my mind i feel like there is there's a balance that we're also i mean we're still all evolving and i was talking to nick capazzoli who is a freelancer a very really really strong freelancer for GameSpot. oh yeah he's great yeah he's a fantastic writer and he was we were talking about the edits we got we got back when uh we were working for kevin and one thing he had mentioned was uh he would always get a review back and Kevin would be like, this is really good, but I don't know what the game plays like. <laughs> like, I don't like, you didn't talk about what the game plays like. Yeah. One yeah. thing that uh, Kevin was talking to me about is like, if there's one tip you had for people, it was, you know, you got to also describe the game. So right. this balance that we're still trying to reach where I, I'm totally guilty of this. I have written a review and I will edit it myself and read over. I'm like, oh man, I talked about all these interesting thematic elements and why the music connects with this and why this and that. Okay. But if I had not played, like, if I'm someone who hasn't played this game and I'm reading this review, I have no yeah. idea what this thing is. Right. But I think, I, I think that, I think that's a really interesting problem to have because it just shows how the needle has swayed sort of from maybe one end of the spectrum to the other. Because it used to be that, like, all a game, all, practically all a game review was, was like, you know, a, a, like a, a very product oriented review and the product, like, what mattered most you know in evaluating the product is just the basic gameplay stuff and you know and also the graphics and the sound so you have your you have your template your okay here's my you know my get the story out of the way you know okay because that doesn't really matter you know it's just a setup for the action okay you're one little paragraph summing up the story and then you know maybe two or three paragraphs on the the gameplay and then like on the, the graphics the sound you know and then then your conclusion and you're done um, so to to have now people writing about games in ways where some of that stuff is part of what I find so interesting about games is that no is that elements of games do not exist in isolation, right? The gameplay and and so if the if the gameplay is saying you know one thing and the story themes are are saying another, I mean I think that's a I think it's a problem usually with the game but i also think it's interesting to dig into and to talk about and i think the most interesting thing about how games writing has evolved is that it 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 used to be that all of these elements were talked about in isolation as if they didn't 
impact each yes. other and influence each other. Okay, here's my, you know, like a TV dinner where you have the, the, the mashed potatoes in one little compartment and the whatever, the peas in another compartment and the Salisbury steak. But no, it's not like that. It's like all this stuff is these are all ricocheting off of each other and influencing each other. And, you know, and, and so a review, I think, should reflect that in to some extent. And, and so rather than having the gameplay paragraph exist in isolation, it, that those concerns should be kind of woven into everything else that the game is doing. Totally. Yeah. No, it's like you said, it's a good problem that we're kind of now veering toward more talking about not just the gameplay and all these different things. And we're, we're challenging one another, I feel. Like, I'm reading reviews, yes. and I will read someone's review, and I'll get inspired to, like, man, I don't I don't look at games this way. And, of course, everyone looks at games differently, but it may, yes. makes me think. Uh, and there's a lot of... I like to read, like you said, dissenting opinions because it makes me think. And more and more, especially in comments, you see complaints about, uh, this reads oh, yeah. more like a feature. Uh, yeah. And you get a lot of that lately. I think because you had mentioned the uh, people were kind of listing off here's the story part here's the gameplay part and that was kind of something that people got used to and now we're exploring reviews in different ways and people are kind of pushing back whenever um the the established sort of status quo in any sort of subculture or culture starts to evolve Mm -hmm. um there is resistance to that there's um uh it, it to some people for some reasons it feels uh, it's challenging, it's uncomfortable, maybe it's threatening. And so, you know, you never have, I think, this kind of growth and development without encountering some resistance, even when it's something, you know, as ostensibly kind of silly to get, to get, uh, you know, upset about or yeah. freaked out about as video game reviews. It's still, yeah, it, you're, you're still going to encounter that kind of resistance. And I think, um, I mean, the reason... I mean, I write about games and I love games, you know, because I think that games, uh, because I think that games matter. And um, so I I, and I think that that's part of what is happening here is is that writing about games is is treating games more and more as if they as if they they matter in Mm -hmm. some larger sense. Right. That they that that they and, and to me, this is inherently elevating to to like the medium of games to talk about them in this way. And so even when I think all, you know, all of the best say, and again, because a lot of my ideas about what criticism can be and, and should be come from my, my reading of, you know, film criticism, I, you know, one thing that reading, um, say my, you know, some of my favorite critics like, uh, Manola Dargis of the, of the New York times and, you know, previously, you know, Roger Ebert and stuff is, well, so what that it kind of imbued in me is a sense that even when you hate or or you know a specific a specific film you know or or game your writing about it still comes from a place of love for film or love for games and a belief in what in what these art forms can be and and can do mm. um so um so uh yeah so I, I, anyway i think that you know we, when we start talking about games in, in these larger ways say we start talking about the the political themes that the, you know what are these games actually saying about our culture and so on and so forth like it makes people uh uncomfortable yeah. because process of of growth 
is, you know, is always an uncomfortable one. And, and putting, you know, ideas in front of people um, that, you know, that, that sort of challenge their own world view uh, can, can be, you know, in, inherently uncomfortable, but it's also often a, you know, a process of, of growth. And, you know, I mean, there were definitely times in my, say, early readings of GameSpot where, like, I would read a Greg Kasavin review and my initial reaction, I would disagree with it so fundamentally, so strongly that I would just be like, this is what, what the hell, what is he even saying? <laughs> this is, this is insane. Ah. Yeah. And, but as those ideas kind of would sit in my head and bounce around and stuff, what they would do, like, uh, even if I never came around to agreeing with him on that particular game, like, those ideas would be in my head in my experience of playing other games and and what I realized as a result is that my appreciation for games as a whole was deepened and broadened because I was thinking about them in in you know in ways that I hadn't before and so this is something that I always you know think about when people will say to me you know in response to a review or to a piece that I write like um, oh, it's just a game, you know, why, why are you thinking about it so much? Like, why can't you just, like, enjoy it? And so, I, for instance, I wrote a thing about Shadow of Mordor last year that w- that's on the Border House, which is a feminist, uh, you know, games blog. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I got, you know, a number of responses along the lines of, you know, <laughs> I, from people who I think were enjoying the game and just wanted to keep on enjoying the game, you know, and not think about the things that I was, that my piece was raising, the issue my piece was raising or encouraging them to think about, you know, that that, it made them, I think, maybe more uncomfortable just playing the game as a game and having fun with it, which I don't want to deprive anyone of their, like, enjoyment of a game. Like, that's never what it's about at all, right? Like, but for, it's just that it's very difficult for me to come around now to understanding that perspective perspective of of you know why why do you have to think about it so much it's just a game because for me like those ideas and you know encountering those kinds of ideas always only makes me in the in the long run anyway always only makes me appreciate and enjoy games more deeply because i'm thinking about them you know, in, in more stimulating and interesting ways. Totally. Yeah. No, I, you're absolutely right. And I had, used to have the exact same reaction as you when I was, uh, when I, I would read reviews and I would use this weird initial anger that would happen if I really disagreed yeah. with something. And absolutely. like to a certain extent, I don't totally understand some commenters <laughs> opinions on this, but like I do get that initial, if, if it's something you love and someone is, uh, either bashing it or just saying it's not good for certain reasons that you disagree with, there's this initial reaction that happens. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's all about how you manage that. And like you said, over time, you'd stop and you'd sit back and you'd think about it. And it would make me appreciate the game more. It would make me think about it differently. I mean, we're talking about these reactions. Like, of course, you know, when you're at GameSpot, you had written the Grand Theft Auto V review, which I don't want to trudge up all of that because that, you know. No, it's, it's – Yeah, because – talk about it. It's a thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, you gave it a nine. But, of course, you had called yeah. it out for, you know, having certain misogynistic aspects to it. And, you know, just looking at it now, it is 22,000 comments. So you look at something like that and... Wow. Yeah, I know. I was like going to shock you there. Oh, my God. I've never seen that many comments on a GameSpot review. I yeah. will, And it's... 
a lot of those, of course, I'm not even going to look at them, but like a lot of yeah. those people have that similar reaction that I think we had, but it's sure. just it's the vitriol that's now come along with it. And like you said, you're, you're challenging, uh, you're challenging like the game in certain ways. You're bringing up things that maybe people haven't thought about. Uh, when you wrote that review, was there ever two questions on this? Was there ever, did you ever think it would get a response near to what it got and additionally um you still you ended up giving it a nine and also calling out a lot of these issues yes did you ever consider giving it a lower score okay so so to answer your first question (laughs) i knew i i mean i had no question that the the review was going to get a huge reaction i mean i i understood that culture well enough already to know that what i was saying was going to be was going to push back against people in exactly the kind of way that was going to make a lot of people very, very angry. And, but I felt like, you know, I didn't relish the thought of that. I certainly didn't relish the thought of, Oh, here comes the the shit storm. Bring it on. Like I was really, really anxious. Like I was really nervous about it, but I felt like it was too important for me not to say, because, because I mean, I really do think that that game, hates women like that game hates women and i'm said well i i can't not say that like i have to say that so for me actually ultimately you know as crazy as this sort of might sound the experience of having that review go um public and having it be reacted to um because i was so prepared or you know because i i was so i because i had no question whatsoever about the reaction that that review was going to get in terms of the the negative you know onslaught that i was that i was about to receive that aspect didn't surprise me but you know there was a a lot of support also that came out a lot of people you know that review kind of got picked up and discussed in uh, by other outlets in other um on other blogs and news sites and stuff like that and um and you know so and on twitter and elsewhere like people came out in in strong support of me and that review and and that to me was so gratifying that the the positives of that experience far outweighed the negatives of of the you know the torrent of you know trans misogynistic hatred that yeah. perhaps well, was uh, drawn to the to the review itself in the comment section um so with regard to giving it a lower score that was something that i wrestled with a great deal because i feel like so my feeling is that i mean i don't think this is i mean i think it's just a fact but <laughs> that is that games in general have a long and colorful history of really not treating women well right of not not having uh, yeah of of just really treating women very badly in any number of ways Hmm. and um so i my feeling was you know writing that review is like okay well this is a game in which it's so egregious that i have to kind of call it out in the review itself and yet like i think in a in a in an ideal world, uh, which, you know, is maybe a world we're inching toward very slowly, <laughs> yeah, but was certainly, was certainly not the world we existed in when I wrote that, that GTA review. You know, maybe in an ideal world, uh, every review, you know, would at least touch on, like, okay, issues of representation. Like, okay, you know, does this game does this game also hate women, you know, or whatever? Like, how, how does this game treat women? Hmm. But, but 
you know, my feeling was that, okay, we, not just at GameSpot, but we as game critics, you know, just in general, the whole culture of, of games criticism does not have a history of factoring in, uh, you know, these issues into review scores, right? And so for me to suddenly, in this one review, try to like totally shift the paradigm and yes. say, okay, well, from now on, we are going to weigh this appropriately in our review scores. Um, because I think, you know, if, if it were weighed appropriately in games in general, I mean, a, a lot of games would have lower scores than they do, right? I mean, Absolutely. just unlike Metacritic or whatever. And so I didn't feel like, okay, with this one review, I can just instantly start like like factoring this into a, into review scores the way that it the way that it should be in every game. Um, that would just be have been too dramatic a step. It was something like something that I think has to happen more gradually. Yeah. So, um, so that was why you know, and and so it's like, well, yes, in terms of all of these other things that are the things that we usually sort of evaluate GTA games on, um, you know, mm. like whether those things have positive cultural value or negative cultural value or whatever yes i mean this game does sort of excel if you can use that word in those areas right so uh that was yeah i mean it was a it was a it was a very as i said it was something that i wrestled with a great deal no and it's i think it's a smart way of looking at it it is hard to just say like well we've never really judged in terms of score games on this factor before but right now i'm taking a stand on the first one like that would have been a little bit jarring in that way but i mean that was right. two years ago and yeah. talk about how we're inching toward it, it, it we've made a significant amount of progress i do feel uh toward at least a lot more reviews are discussing this and they're discussing different thematic elements that were never discussed before and you you have at least to a certain extent seen some scores lower because of those factors and i it's it's not of course not completely I, and this is something I want to get into more too kind of your opinion on the state of reviews right now because I do agree like we are not even close to where we need to be you look at something like uh, Metal Gear Solid Five is something that I've been wrestling a lot with <laughs> that was um, exactly the game I was just about to start <laughs> well, talking about it's so. at like a ninety three yeah. or ninety four Metacritic and it's something that I don't even know I really want to write about that game but I don't even know where to start so I would never. I would not want to write a review on GameSpot of that game where I had to put a score on it because there's so many things that I think are fantastic. Uh, And we go back to talking about that's a game where you have to talk about that one plays because I think that's one of the best playing action games out there. But then you also have these other elements that are strange. You look at the ridiculous quiet character who like there'd be so many better things if she just had some clothes on and the justification for why she doesn't is silly like it is i mean it's it's paper thin it's it's absurd it's laughably absurd like it is it is so comical you know and and so there's this sense i think among you know certainly i get the sense from kojima's say tweets about quiet from days pat from you know months ago about you'll be ashamed of your words (laughs) and deeds and but even from even from a lot of gaming, you know, fans, that as long as there's a an in-universe explanation for why, and I'm not just talking about Metal Gear Solid Five yeah. specifically here, I'm talking about games in general. It's like you run into that issue of like, well, it's yeah, but it's because of such and such, and it's like, well, you can always come up with some in-universe reason for why your female character is a sexual object. Oh, totally. That doesn't that doesn't make it like 
not sexual objectification. That I doesn't make just, it not the thing. I just had this conversation with someone. They were I had been tweeting about the quiet character and uh-huh. someone had messaged me or talked to me and was like, Oh, I like I don't know why you're like upset about it. It makes a lot of sense why she's that way. I'm like, it, and no, like you're right. right. You're right. It's it's offensive to my intelligence that you think that that is a good enough reason for this right. character to be the way that she is. And come on, like it's, it's obvious why that is. So that was a so, strange one with um just the universal acclaim that game got. Because once yeah. again, I really like that game. I really really enjoy it, and I think it's fantastic in so many ways. But also troubled in so many ways. And that's yeah. a case where I don't feel like we've made as much progress because. Right. There's like one review that I think is below an eight on all of Metacritic, and that's crazy. Yeah, and I so I did a like when the reviews started, you know, when the embargo was lifted and the reviews started hitting for that game. I actually went around to like uh, you know, but some of the major sites, and I just with on some of them I just do like a Control F for Quiet, like to see like does this review even <laughs> even talk about Quiet at all? And I was dismayed that a number of them like don't even raise the issue like at all they don't raise the issue of quiet like and her presentation yeah. and anything at all and so so you know when you say like well i, I i'm not sure how much progress progress we're really making yeah. like i feel like we're still very 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 much in the i mean obviously there are there are exceptions and there are there is a great deal of really interesting writing happening around metal gear solid 5 right now and i think that this is a game where there will continue to be some interesting writing about it in the in the weeks ahead because yeah. it's a game that people are still players and people are still sinking their teeth into they're still exper- experiencing um, so you know the discussion is is ongoing mm-hmm. but I, I feel like we're, you know the at least in, in terms of the initial wave of, of reviews from from the larger sites there's still for in my in, in my opinion a tendency to emphasize um you know gameplay mechanic which obviously like yes as you say like those things are tremendous and need yeah. to be discussed and evaluated and everything but to to marginalize uh, or or just flat out ignore you know other concerns or other issues one of my favorite games writers right now is uh tevis thompson i don't know if you're familiar with with his work. i'm actually not no okay so um but tevis thompson is um i, I actually don't read um a huge amount of games writing these days. I'll, mm. I'll be honest. Like I'm, um, so, but Tevis is, you know, among the the stuff that I do read. Like he's the most kind of uncompromising in his perspective, and he certainly, uh, I don't all, uh, very much like I do not always agree with him, but I really value that he does not, in any way, um, compromise the the subjectivity of his own experience, and you know, but also his. Uh, yeah, I mean, his beliefs in terms of, of what games criticism, you know, must must be doing um, to, to truly be criticism. Mm. And so when uh, Metal Gear Solid Five Ground Zeroes uh, was released, yeah. um, you know, that game ends with a scene um, that is, I think, you know, just um, shocking and... In, in the most kind of exploitative and, you know, and just I'll just say in the most exploitative, yeah. and manipulative way possible, and it's and it's it just capitalizes on like violence against women in the most like overblown, you know, kind of Kojima absurd, yep. but you know, way that you can possibly imagine, and um, 
like almost no review mentioned that at all. And, um, you know, Tevis Thompson uh, did this thing that I appreciate because I think that I think we are still at a point where we need to hold ourselves and hold each other to a higher standard where he went, he sort of on Twitter, like just went down the list of this outlet's review by this person does not mention the, the grotesque sexual violence in Metal Gear Solid 5 Ground Zeroes. Yeah. This outlet's review by this person does not mention the grotesque sexual violence in Metal Gear Solid 5 Ground Zeroes. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think we need to be aware that we have a, that we have a long way to go in terms of treating games and the content of games as if it, as if it really matters. Mm-hmm. We definitely, like, like you said, we, we've started to, but there are cases like Metal Gear Solid that makes me, it, it bums me out. You look at stuff like that, those examples, and you see like, man, I really thought we were getting somewhere, then something like this happens. Uh, I have a question for you. Do you think, sure. do you think that uh, the quiet thing, let's go back to the Phantom Pain, do you think sure. the quiet thing would have been more discussed and scores would have been lower if this wasn't a Metal Gear game? Do you think the fact that it is this massively beloved popular important series has anything to do with the way people talk about those elements yeah i do i mean i do think there's a kind of double standard i guess you could say in terms of the ways that people sometimes engage with these issues in games like uh for instance i think if a game comes out um like say um lollipop chainsaw (laughs) um which is a game that like a lot of people just already think is kind of ridiculous and you know not not you know it's not worthy of like a a tremendous acclaim as a as a masterpiece of gameplay or anything like that Mm -hmm. i think that in that context people feel a lot more comfortable sort of saying oh and you know it's it's really silly that uh the character is uh you know such a kind of uh juvenile sexual object or whatever but if you take you know a situation, a character that is really treated, you know, just as badly, if not worse, but is in a context, in the context of a game that has this high kind of pedigree and that people view with all of this kind of reverence because of the, the franchise that it's in or the person who's created it or whatever, that yes, people do not look at that, those aspects of the game as critically or engage with them as critically in their reviews or their or their personal experiences with the game um yeah specifically you know for that reason no absolutely i kind of on this a similar track here when are you still currently doing uh i saw some pieces on vice are you still currently actively freelancing yeah um yeah i i am i um my output's been a little um uh, inconsistent lately because I've, ha- I've been working on certain side projects mm. that um, uh, that take uh, you know a lot of time and attention and effort. Um, but uh, but yes, I, I I do still freelance. You know, I heard your um, so I listened to your episode with with Nick and you know you guys talked about like the whole process of pitching stuff to outlets. You know, yeah. And um, uh, you know, sort of I think I think I'm in a similar boat the boat that Nick is in where, you know, he, he said on your show that, you know, because he takes a kind of hardline stance on certain things, like, I I mean, a lot of times he'll end up just kind of posting something say on his blog or whatever. And I, I think I'm, I'm in a similar boat where like a lot of the stuff that I end up feeling like, okay, I might want to write this or approach this game in this way. I feel like it's 
maybe a little too politically charged for, or a little too kind of, yeah, like hardline or just uncompromising uncompr- in its stance on a on a thing. Totally. That, so I feel like, and there's a reluctance, um, you know, from at least you know maybe certain places to to put that stuff in in front of readers. And so, I mean, I like w- when I have something, an idea where or a piece that I really want to write, where I feel like I'm a- I'm actually able to really celebrate a game or celebrate an aspect of a game in a way that I think is honest and that I believe in. Like, um, I definitely pitch those things. I mean, I'm still really uncomfortable with pitching and it's not an adjustment that I've made very smoothly, to be honest, going from staff, you know, member, Mm -hmm. editor at GameSpot to, oh, you know, freelancer. And now, like, how do I get my stuff out there and get it in front of people. And sorry yeah. to interrupt you really quickly. No, I, that ahead. was actually like a, kind of like the question I was considering in my head is, you know, you talk about a lot of like certain things that you feel are a lot of, a lot of outlets might not want to buy because they're very strong and hardline in a certain way. Have you kind of found that? Have you gotten uh no's from people based on what you think is just like, well, they don't want to broach this certain issue. Of course, I'm not trying to call anyone out at all, but uh, have you right. ever tried to pitch something that, ended up on your blog because and people found like no we don't really want to tackle that issue i don't want to i don't want to say that that's happened Mm -hmm. i think to be honest it's it's like it's more of like it's probably at this point more an internal sense of discomfort that i like that i'm trying to get over in my for myself and, and um and hoping that i can um yeah because like i i will often i have those voices in my own head like say you know last year i wrote a thing about Bayonetta and you know my position on Bayonetta I mean with respect to all to the range of positions about the character of Bayonetta out there you know is that she is a sexual object you know basically designed for straight male players and that you know while any of us and many of like I love the Bayonetta games as action games but I do think that you know my that her that the objectification of the character is a problem like period and you know i i I think that um that there's a feeling out there that uh and again a lot of this is probably just in my in my own head or i'm trying to um to find a way of being more comfortable um pit maybe pitching these kinds of pieces to people or what have you but you know i often feel like okay there's a sense that the that the most sophisticated pieces are are always the ones that will say well the truth is somewhere in the middle and like here's you know the the maybe the problems with this but here are the really cool things about this and like sometimes i love reading pieces that approach a given thing in that way but i also think that there are times where it's also valuable and perhaps sometimes more sophisticated, actually, to say, well, uh, you know, to say, no, like, this this is a problem, uh, you know, period, because, and kind of go into, go into those reasons that we don't always need to play the game of, or to approach a thing as, as, you know, let's, let's look at it from both sides. And because... Because I, I sometimes feel like if we are always looking at everything from both sides and doing, you know, doing that thing in our think pieces and in our, in our features and everything, then we're not really, we're not really challenging 
the status quo. We're not really pushing it back against the culture because it's we're sort of saying like, yeah, I mean, it's these things are problems, but they're also kind of cool and kind of okay. And so, yeah. you know, like we can just appreciate them for what they are while acknowledging that they have problems and they can just, you know, and, you know, they just keep on existing. And it's like, well, no, I want to actually really ch challenge that stuff in some way i you know i, I want to push back a little harder against it um i mean anyway it's it's very difficult at times to figure out like uh where to feel figure out how to approach that kind of political writing about games yeah right because because you're all because you're inherently like what you're doing is telling people something that they don't really want to hear mm. and it's hard to figure out like <laughs> how to sell that to people or how to make that an attractive proposition right no absolutely yeah. and like you're talking about when you like the hedging idea of kind of going like well this is a problem but mm, yeah. it doesn't really matter like that is something that i don't think benefits really anyone it doesn't push the conversation forward and it's something that i mean i've absolutely struggled with i uh remember writing a devil may cry for uh review for uh for GameSpot. it was the like special edition and the female characters in that game like they're you know quote unquote badass they're you know swinging giant swords and have giant guns sure. but they also have ridiculous proportions and uh, wear really skimpy yeah. silly outfits sure, sure, and sure. that was something that when i was writing my review i remember going back and forth on how to address that because it's 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 just something i struggle with because i remember initially writing it and including that stuff in there but i was kind of doing like what you were saying where i had mentioned it but it didn't re i couldn't find a way to intelligently talk about it and that's it's it's still something that i struggle with today when i uh, have to deal with stuff like when i when those issues are in games is knowing how to talk about it and uh, not just include it in there as kind of a box on the side saying, oh, by the way, this is bad, but the rest of the game is good. So, it, yeah, that's still something that I have a lot of issue with when I'm reviewing games. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's a real challenge. But uh, I mean, you talk about how you're still kind of you're freelancing, you're doing other projects, uh, yeah. have your uh, your blog that you post a lot of the maybe the more personal things that don't end yeah. up on other websites. Um, yeah, it's. What's kind of your – are you still looking for is, – is a full-time games writing job still the ultimate goal? Because, I mean, for me, that's kind, of, that's kind of always been the case ever since I was younger. That was that the pie in the sky. I want to write yeah. about games for a living. Um, but more and more, it's, it's, it's difficult. And I guess I've always realized that you know, there's, there are very few full-time jobs to fill. Is that kind of still the ultimate goal or have you looked in, other, like in another direction? I think it, it is still something that I – uh, I'm still, you know, I'm still pursuing it. I'm still looking at, you know, job listings and openings and, you know, hoping perhaps that I can, I can get back into that. I mean, it's, it's interesting because, uh, the world of games, uh, coverage is evolving so fast. It's so different now than it was even five years ago. And because things are, I mean, obviously video is becoming a more and more powerful force, you yeah, know, it's really becoming... Is. YouTube is YouTube is changing things so fast and so you know I guess people need to be like adaptable and I definitely still I mean I think of myself entirely basically as like a writer hmm. um you know I don't see myself being ever like a you know a YouTube video personality <laughs> or whatever I don't know it's a good uh, YouTube voice you may have a future in this Yeah <laughs> so it's sort of looking at what you know what would the path ahead look like for me in that realm is not something that i 
I, I mean, it's 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 very murky right now, right? It's unclear, yeah. and I'm not, you know, I'm trying to sort of accept that uh, that that may not be a viable future at, at this point if it ends up not being a viable future for me. But um, yeah, I mean, I I love games. I love writing about games. I think that I have. Um, valuable and interesting things to say about them and you know i'd like yes i would very much like to continue doing that in in a situation where you know that it has a steady paycheck and maybe health benefits and stuff associated with it um you know rather than on the kind of freelance uh basis that you know i'm sort of exploring and and doing right now yes the freelance life is is an interesting one uh because I mean I I don't do a full time I have a full time job and I also do freelance on the side sure. so yeah it's yeah I mean, that was that was my ex- my existence and my experience for a few years you know with GameSpot you know before I became a staff member is that I had uh, my you know my full time job that you know and then I would have a game I would come home from the full time job I'd buckle down and play the game that I was reviewing for <laughs> GameSpot at the time yeah you know, for for several hours or whatever get up and go to work again the next day, come home, whatever, and, you know, crank out the review, you know, in whatever hours I could find here and there. And, um, yeah, that was, that was it. But, you know, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm considerably older than I, I think a lot of people than certainly than yourself and that a lot of people in this, uh, field now. And, you know, I, 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 I don't know if I'm cut out for that particular lifestyle in the Mm. long haul anymore, you know, like I, it's, it's definitely, it, it takes a toll, you know, it can, it can be a real drain at Uh, times. Absolutely. And it's always, I I get a lot of people uh, when I was doing this in college, I would be, I had a, you know, a job and I was doing college and I was also uh, doing freelance work and I have people be like, Oh, well, you play and write about video games, so it can't be that hard. And it's like, you can say that. And Ooh. yeah, that was always fun. Uh, and it's, it's a passion, of course. So it's not, the, yes. it's not my, it's not normal work where you're kind of like, you want to get yeah. it done. Like there's oh, something yeah. about, uh, games writing that's always, it, it's invigorating to me. It's exciting to do, but sure, the sure, freelance sure. life can be exhausting. Oh, it's, I remember even uh, recently I did the Tearaway Unfolded review for GameSpot and, uh, I, I really wanted to do it because I hadn't reviewed something in a little bit, but I was also, uh, flying back home to uh, Pittsburgh where I wasn't going to have my PS4. So I had to cram that experience. I had to cram so much <laughs> of that game. Like, you know, I was like staying up till 2 a.m. and then waking up at 6 to go to work. So stuff like that. It's I could understand how that doesn't sound extremely appealing to you right now being like, man, do I really want to do that yeah. kind of stuff? People every, every once in a while will email me or tweet me and ask for like, you know, how do I get into this and stuff like that. Uh, and I usually make it clear pretty early, like if you if you ever were looking for a full time job, which I mean I haven't achieved that, so like I'm I, I can't give the best advice in that way. But if you want to get into this, you're gonna have to have a little bit of a crazy schedule in that way, especially since mm-hmm. most of the time you're gonna need a full time job to kind of supplement that life to be able to do all this stuff, and you're gonna have to get home from work and then immediately go into other work. You're gonna have to yes. spend weekends instead of at the bar with your friends. 
sitting on your couch playing a video game, which might not sound like the worst thing in the world, but you do it so many uh, times. And oof. Yeah, it can be isolating, you know, yeah. it can be, yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting life, but uh, I really do hope that you continue in some form to uh, keep writing about games uh, in general. I know, you, I, I know you're going to keep doing it on your blog, and you know, I've enjoyed reading yeah. that stuff on there. Um, we do have a, a listener uh, wrote in to me and asked me a question for you. His name is... Uh, Sure. Matthew, uh, he, he had asked, it's something we had kind of covered a little bit before, but a little bit kind of a different take on it. Mm-hmm. He mentions that your reviews very often tend to kind of be personal essays, which, you know, his opinion, like to a certain extent, you add a lot of yeah. yourself in there. Do you ever feel nervous in that you mentioned the GTA one, you were a little bit anxious when you're posting that one because of the response that was going to come. But right. with other reviews and other features, maybe even on yeah. your blog, do you ever feel nervous sharing so much about yourself? Well, I think, you know, part of what the blog lets me do is, is to, is to have that freedom of just approaching a game in whatever way that I want to approach it. And like, yes, I would love to build up a readership and, and I, and I hope that people find value in the things that I, that I write. And, and it's always gratifying to know that at least some people do. But, um, I mean, the, it's an opportunity for me to just explore, like, like say, if there's a game that I just want to focus on one aspect of it because it resonates with me personally, mm. that I can do that. Like, so I know that, you know, you reviewed, say, Sunset for GameSpot. And, yes. you know, on my blog, for instance, um, I wrote about Sunset really specifically about the idea of a connection or a relationship in a way with a person who is never around like what yeah. does it mean to have a what does it mean to have a connection is it even possible to really have a connection with a person who is never around or is it really just in a way all in your imagination is it purely like a just a fantasy and you know because um and 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 so i guess um actually i find it rather than feeling afraid of sharing in that way like I actually find it personally kind of liberating to be able to just have that freedom to say you know like to just make no bones about it like this was my personal experience of this game like this was the level on which it resonated for me personally these are the things in my own life that it that it uh you know made that it made me think about or that it triggered feelings about you know and and, i mean i recognize that like that that there is a point at which like that's different from like a review right like i would not in a review of a game bring quite that much of myself to Mm -hmm. it um but uh but i i mean i love when a game does um does you know resonate with me on a very personal level and i like having you know, the a place where I can just engage with that and not feel like I have to fashion this into a specific thing for, you know, for a particular audience. I don't have to make this a review. I don't have to make this a uh, whatever, you know, this is just like as, you know, this is just as, as honest and, and from the heart and personal as, as, you know, as I want it to be. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've considered starting a blog for that many, like 
for that reason, like multiple times, because GameSpot's always been great with letting me, you know, experiment with what I'm talking about in reviews. But there's always yeah. a time where I'm like, man, I really want to talk about this thing that I don't have an outlet for. So the podcast has been a great way to do that. But also, I would, I'm considering it in the very near future. Uh, so I do have a, another question about uh, quickly about GameSpot. Uh, we had talked sure. about the, the GTA 5 review, and that might be, you know, I would say your most read thing on there, uh, the most comments no on it too. But yeah. Personally, what was your what's the one piece of work GameSpot that you had a hand in or that you fully produced that you're the most proud of? Like what what content can you look back on and say like, man, that was amazing to work on or I can, I, I am proud of this piece of work because for me, I there's always those certain articles. I look back at my first article on GameSpot and that is a sentimental value for me, both as fact that like I've always wanted to work there and that was my first big chance. And also it was about Final Fantasy VIII, which still kind of stands for me as this really memorable personal experience at kind of a difficult time in my life. So that, that's sure. for me something I look back on. So is there anything like that for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really, I was really pleased. Uh, I mean, to, I mean, going back and looking at your own writing from like a few years ago is always difficult, right? Like <laughs> yes. if, I, if I actually, if I actually go back and read this, read the piece now, I, I would definitely cringe at, at, oh, it's at a nightmare. things and feel like, oh man, if I, if only I could have written it this way or approached this, that, that way. However, having said that, like I was really pleased to be able to write um, a piece that's on GameSpot about, um, so Persona 4 is one of my all time favorite games like i think that game is that's one of those games that i think is the is for me like the ultimate example of of the you know you can love something while being critical of certain aspects of it at the same time Mm -hmm. approach uh to to thinking about art and media um yeah i mean i have so much love for that game and yet i have like a really really deep problem with its uh sort of dancing around issues of of queerness and gender identity. Um, And so, you know, I, I, I wrote a piece on GameSpot um, uh, called like the denial of the self, um, you know, on on queer characters in Persona 4 or something like that. And um, just being able to really get that in front of GameSpot readers and really, um, yeah, share my perspective on that was really, you know, I was proud of, that i mean it was a piece that took me a lot of time in a way because that game is so huge and you know um but um but it's also a game that's so kind of beloved and widely played and so yeah to be able to get my voice out there and 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 talk about that particular aspect of that particular game was um was definitely for me one of the high points of my career at GameSpot. Totally. Yeah. It's always interesting to talk about those games that like you said you you have such an appreciation for and digging into either issue like issues with it that uh you had or uh even having just kind of this appreciation for it and looking back and like why did i feel this way about certain aspects and why do i love this part so much or why is this part not work so yeah that's i think we're on a yeah. similar track there with kind of favorite pieces of writing um so uh usually at the end of these podcasts we mm-hmm. I, I like to talk about kind of just a tip so if, sure. if people for some reason skipped all the way to the end <laughs> and they were like here what's one tip i can take away from this so for me, and I think it has to do with a lot of with this conversation is I, I think it's important to don't be afraid of a dissenting opinion uh, is mm-hmm. kind of what I want to what it would give to people is that when you're talking about the GTA five review, you knew you had to talk about it because you strongly believed in what you said. Mm-hmm. So and I think that's just that's important. So when you're presenting a dissenting opinion, 
be genuine about it. And if, if you really believe in it, you have to talk about it. I don't, yeah. There are some people which, you know, once again, I'm not calling anyone out. Sometimes I read things where it feels like they're dissenting for the sake of dissent. They are putting sure. up a different point where it's like, I don't even know if you believe that. I think you just right. want to say that to be different. And right. what I've always appreciated about you is that when I read your reviews, even if I disagree with something, mm-hmm. I know you're not just putting it in there to be like, oh, look, I'm different from everyone. You're doing it because you fully believe in it. And you, I think you've been a great example in that way that uh, people have followed and continue to follow about, you know, I strongly believe this thing is problematic and it's not going to be fun to talk about. It's it's going to be uncomfortable yeah. for a lot of people to read this. But if that's your opinion, I it's your opinion. You have to write about it. And yeah. I wish we would have seen more of that in the Metal Gear Solid 5 reviews. But <laughs> hopefully going forward, we'll see more and more of that. So that's kind of my tip for the week. Uh, I'd sprung yeah. this on you a little bit earlier, so I don't know yeah. if you had time to think about something. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just want to say, like, I, I think it's important if you're interested in games to the detriment or to the absence of, like, really caring about other media like books or film or or whatever, then I think you're going to be lacking important things in the way that you think about just what art and you know media can do and so what i so i i mean as i said like for me uh, reading film criticism for instance was a hugely impactful part of shaping me as a games writer and i think you know that that it's important to I think um, it's important to, to some extent to be well-rounded, to have interests that go beyond games and to bring, to let those things inform, you know, to let your other interests and your other passions inform your thoughts and your feelings about games, right? That can only enrich your perspective about games, you know, to, to have those other, those other things um, that, that you're, care, that you care about and that you're thinking about. Um, and other than that, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think, um, yeah, persistence can be important, as I said, you know, very early on. Like, um, I mean, it took me, it took me years, literally, like m- many years, to get like my foot in the door and start doing this kind of work. Um, and so, again, as I said, there's a, there's a line between you know just being being persistent and being an an actual kind of pest, yes. uh, which you know, but. Um, yeah, I mean, persistence can really make a difference in the long run. No, absolutely. I really love both of those. Uh, it's like you. It took me quite a while to actually get into this full time. That's, once again, something that when people ask me, I want to make sure they know. It's like, look, I, if, if you are really passionate about this, like, just know it's it's rarely going to happen overnight. Sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes you're already a good writer. You've been doing other writing and other work, and you get an opportunity. You see someone on Twitter say, freelance work. And you're lucky enough and fortunate enough to get that. But in most cases, yeah. it's going to take you – it takes time and effort to get where you want to get. Carolyn, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, I think you're one of the uh, strongest writers that we have in reviews. You you bring up points that have made me think about criticism differently. And, of course, once again, there, there are times where I read something and I have that initial reaction of like, oh, I disagree. But sure. I've always been able to kind of sit back <laughs> and learn something from it. So uh, – you had mentioned earlier that when you were kind of trying to get into this, you were reading GameSpot, and those are the people that you kind of look toward when you're getting into this. Well, you, Tom, uh, Kevin Van Ord, and of course, you know, Jeff Kurtzman, those people. Sure. Uh, you're the people that really inspired someone like me to get into this. So it always feels weird to say thank you because you never intentionally inspired me to do this. But I do want to say thank you because uh, it's great to talk to you today. And it's also uh, it's been great to read you and learn a lot from you. 
Well, thank you, Josiah. That's very gratifying to hear. And uh, again, you know, thank you so much for having me on the show today. Absolutely. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And hopefully tune back in for the next episode of the 1099.